Comments made on the Ceratoc Podcast Network are those of the individuals and do not represent Ceratoc Corporation, its staff, management, board of directors, or third-party resellers. Hi, this is Bill, and welcome to this week's episode of Real World Fitness. Before I go anyplace else, I want to thank everyone that showed up for the uh, SamNet event last night. It was a lot of fun. I really appreciate the participation. And now, my guest today, of course, we have Lisa with us with another interesting article. Don't know what she's got for us this week, but everything thus far has been good stuff. My guest today is uh, something different. I uh, have had some really outstanding, inspirational people on here. People that have overcome tremendous, tremendous hardships like this Stevens-Johnson syndrome, which I, I can't even imagine living through. And they've overcome it and done some great things with their lives. You know, we've had world champion athletes, Paralympic athletes, and these people are an inspiration. But being the little bit of a pessimist or limiting in myself, I guess, that I have, I look at people like that and go, wow, that's amazing. It's an amazing story. It gets me psyched. But then I go, I I couldn't do that, I don't think. I really don't think I'm strong enough to do that. So today my guest is going to be somebody who uh, isn't a world champion anything yet, but she's uh, dealt with diabetes her whole life, which certainly isn't easy, but it's also not Stevens Johnson's disease syndrome where your skin is falling off and your eyelashes are growing inside and you're going through constant hell. And, you know, millions of people suffer with diabetes, so a lot of you can relate And uh, like I said, she's not a world champion anything yet, but she's motivated, she's excited, she's deeply into bodybuilding and Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and she's getting ready for her first jiu-jitsu tournament. And I really think she's an awesome inspiration because I look at her and I go, wow, she's not superwoman. She's just an average woman who's got some issues in her life and some health issues And, you know, she's just psyched and motivated and wanting to move forward. And I find her more inspirational than multi-time world champion, because like I said, I personally don't think I could achieve those those kind of huge, huge uh, accomplishments. So we'll get to her in just a little while. Announcements. The only announcement really is once again, I've got to drill that Hadley workshop, seminar, webinar on September the 16th. I'm really proud of it and uh, hope all of you attend. been doing a lot of reading and uh, have to because it's too hot to go outside here in Florida. So I've been doing a lot, a lot of reading. Found another great book on audiblepodcast.com slash Saratalk. And uh, you really should check this, this site out. You go there, Sign up for the free one-month trial. You can download one item of your choice. A lot of great books, fiction, nonfiction, all the big authors and a lot of authors I've never even heard of. Also some really cool things, old radio programs and lots of cool stuff. So check it out. Take advantage of it. Audiblepodcast.com slash Saratalk. And uh, now let's get to Lisa and see what she's got for us this week. The article I have this week is called Calories Argument versus Endocrine. Before I read it, I'll uh, review the term endocrine because most of us haven't had anatomy in a while. But uh, the endocrine system includes all of the glands of the body 
and the hormones produced by those glands. So now we're all up on top of it, right? All right, here's the article. This is written for the guardrails program for the University of Miami. The law of dieting states that if you eat more calories than you burn, you will gain weight. If you diet to eat less calories than you burn, you will lose weight. This is in concordance with the first law of thermodynamics, where the energy that goes into a system must either be used or stored as it cannot be destroyed. From this, it is easy to see that when people are obese, unhealthy, or a combination of the two, the reason is that they eat too much and exercise too little. And the cure is simple. Add the calories in the food you eat, predict or measure the calories you burn, and begin fitting into your old genes. This thought process is flat out wrong, oversimplified, vilifying, and misunderstood. Sure, if you put 100 joules of electric energy into a light bulb, you get 100 joules of light, heat, and radiation. But comparing the complex biochemistry of human metabolism to a light bulb is comparing an abacus to a calculator. Consider the following example, in which two twins both gain weight over a year. Both of them have vast diets and eat about 500 more calories than they burn every day. One twin gains weight but decreases body fat percentage due to increases in lean mass, which is bone density and muscle mass, while the other twin experiences a drastic increase in body fat percentage as well as visible increases in fat deposition in the hips, thigh, chest, and face area. What does our intuition tell us? The second twin is lazy, does not exercise, is less healthy, while the first twin must be building muscle through weightlifting and other exercise. The first twin is a thoroughbred athlete, while the second twin is more like a groggy sloth who needs to eat less calories, right? Actually, this example is of two twins going through puberty. The only difference between the two is that the first twin is a male and the second twin is a female. They both are very active and eat more calories than they burn. So, why do the excess calories affect their bodies differently? In short, the answer has more to do with hormones and digestive enzymes than anything else. In adolescence, hormonal responses to puberty play an integral role in the body's metabolism and fat accumulation during weight gain. In adults, the body's metabolism and composition is still dictated largely by our hormone balance. We keep a healthy hormone balance by maintaining a healthy diet. The food we put into our bodies on a daily basis has a profound effect on our hormone response to food and our hormonal responses to food is directly responsible for our metabolic health. For example, cardiovascular health and bone health. The number of calories on a food label does not affect everyone the same. People who eat high amounts of sugar all the time have chronically high levels of the hormone insulin. 
and will store more fat after eating the same 300 calorie fruit cup as a healthy person with normal insulin levels. People who consume lots of fiber will train their digestive system to excrete more calories than people who consume low-fiber processed carbohydrates. Frequent soda drinkers are often less satisfied after a meal, their brain less responsive to fullness signals. In short, it is time to stop eating according to calorie labels. The 400-calorie cranberry spinach salad is much better for your body composition than the 250 calories in a fat-free cranberry muffin. The interaction between our food and our digestive hormones is a delicate balance that, when altered, can easily induce a downward spiral towards obesity and metabolic syndrome. There is no question that the energy and calories that we extract from our food is either stored or used. What people don't realize is the number of calories available to us cannot be quantified on a food label as it varies from person to person. To get an idea of why the calorie counters struggle to lose weight, we need to consider where their calories come from today and where their calories came from yesterday. As a parting thought, we also have to realize where the true benefits of exercise lie. It may surprise many people to know that running one mile burns on average little more than 100 calories, meaning you would need to run so many miles every time you ate a Subway sandwich. What exercise does is help maintain our hormone balance Fat-burning enzymes work more efficiently, blood sugar decreases, reduces inflammation-causing toxins, and improves metabolism. The talk about dieting and obesity should have little to do with calories in versus calories out. Rather, let's direct the conversation to the true culprit, dysregulation of digestive hormones and enzymes. Good article. Okay, Lisa, that was interesting. Um, you know, I'd love for you to find something on cortisol if you can, because that kind of goes with this article. There's all this research that says when you do certain things, it um, elevates your cortisol levels and actually causes your body to retain fat. The hormone cortisol apparently will kind of force your body to like cling to excess fat, especially supposedly towards the center of your body. Okay, that was a good article, and uh, it's very true. Calories, people think if as long as there is a calorie deficit, they're going to lose weight. It's not the case. You got to eat the right things and the things that your body can properly utilize. See, I think we covered everything earlier. How hot and miserable is it in Pennsylvania today, Lisa? It's hot, very hot for us. It's going to be about 95 degrees, so we're all staying inside with air conditioning. <laughs> to you, 95 probably isn't so bad. <laughs> oh, it's not good because we've also got 100% humidity to go with it. See, we did the plug for the sponsor. I mentioned uh, the webinar. Thanked everyone for showing up last night. I haven't really got a whole lot else to say. So now let's get to that interview with this week's guest, 
my new buddy, my new protege, Marana Weber. Hey guys, thank you so much, Bill. Thank you so much for the uh, platform. I appreciate it. It's great to be here to talk with you a little bit today. And for the record, it is Marana, not uh, not Marana. <sighs> Always got women correcting me. Such <laughs> is life. Okay, now I first met you on uh, the NFB Sports and Rex email listing because you were talking about bodybuilding and. Um, don't think you mentioned the BJJ on there, but you are interested in strength training, bodybuilding, BJJ. How did that all come about? Are you a competitor? I have not competed yet. I just started in regards to BJJ and um, uh, not in the, the bodybuilding kind of thing. I just started that last November. And so I was in there for about, oh, three solid months when I broke a rib and um, kept going back and rolling and rebreaking and rolling and rebreaking. So finally, the end of March, I decided to take about six weeks off. And I'm just now starting to get back in there regularly and train. And my hope is to start competing, hopefully sometime this fall, maybe early next year. So um, how did I get into it? Um, I started seriously training in the in the gym in regards to weight and strength training about a year ago. I, I hired a personal trainer and he was, you know, started sending me training programs and nutrition plans and stuff. And I started following those. And um, once I was getting closer to meeting my goals, I was kind of like, well, you know, this is great and all, this is fun, but I really want to have functional muscle. I want to be able to do something with the strength that I'm building, not just have it, you know. And I uh, started looking around. I, I actually pondered CrossFit for a while. I was like, ah, that's that's kind of new and exciting. Seems to be a lot of people doing it. Everybody that does it is really fit. And so kind of played around with that thought. And then um, one day I was walking home from the gym and I had a guy that pulled over to the side of the road in his car and he started yelling at me, telling me I needed to get in the car. He was going to take me home. What are you doing out here by yourself? You know, aren't you, you know, are you sure you're safe, sweetheart? And I thought, well, really, I don't know. With you out here, it seems a little bit scary. And so um, that was what made me think, you know, maybe some self-defense wouldn't be so bad. And, uh, you know, box jumps aren't going to save my life as, as great as they are for uh, working out. So um, that's when I started seeking out an academy to train at here um, in my town and found the uh, team I'm working with now. And they've it's it's been the best decision I've ever made. Okay, well, you just said a whole lot and gave me about five more questions to uh, ask you. Now, the first one was, you say you hired a personal trainer and he started sending you stuff. Now, most people understand dealing with a personal trainer is that guy or that girl in the gym. So you want to go into a little detail of the kind of an arrangement you have with your trainer and how you found him and who he is? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my trainer, his name is Andrew Berry, and he is he he trains out of uh, a gym in Burlington, Vermont, and so he's clear across the country, is just as far as you can get. So, um, I hired him because I am type one diabetic, and it is something that I have struggled with all of my life. I was diagnosed at the age of nine, 
and um, have never, ever, ever been able to get my blood sugars to comply. Um, at one point, just kind of gave up and said, forget it, they're going to do what they want to do, regardless of how much I try. So, you know, being young and, and dumb, I flew on autopilot, and that was a direct cause of my blindness. But I hired Andrew because I had seen numerous doctors, numerous specialists, diabetic educators, dietitians, anybody I could talk to to help me with trying to get my blood sugars under control and, and also, you know, work towards my fitness goals. And it seemed like the harder I tried, the kind of like the saying, the hurrier I go, the behinder I get. Um, the harder I tried, the worse things got. And it was really, really discouraging. And I thought for sure I was the freak of nature that nobody else in the history of man ever had the same problems that I did. And I was never going to get it figured out. And so um, I found Andrew on a website that I, I visit frequently. It's called diabetesdaily.com. And the lady that was conducting the interview with him, he had trained her and she is type 1 diabetic as well. And so I just kind of read it, started reading up on him and he has had a lot of, lot of success training uh, diabetics and, and helping them to both get a better hold on their blood glucose and also reach their fitness goals. So I sent him an email and I said, hey, look, this is where I've been. This is where I'm at. This is what I want. If you think you can help me, let's go. If you don't, then I, want, I don't want to waste your time or your money. And thankfully, uh, he was up to the challenge. It's Diabetes is not a textbook disease. It's, it's very challenging. Um, every day is different. And um, I am thankful that I found him to help me and, and um, we've been able to work our way through some goals and set new ones and working toward those towards those now. And I, out of all the doctors and specialists I've seen, he's the only person who has ever really been able to help me get my sugars under control and also work to meet uh, fitness goals at the same time. So when I say when I say he sends me training programs to answer your other question, I communicate with him via email. Um, I send him weekly updates, pictures, skinfold measurements, weight, um, strength levels, and you know whether or not I've been compliant with my diet. Um, he pays close attention to what my blood sugars are doing, and we tweak the program as we go along. If he wants me to change something up, he'll send it to me. Say try this for a week, get back to me, and let me know how it works. So. Um, yeah, it's all just communicating with him through email and, and checking in with him regularly. And, and from, you know, thousands of miles away, he's been able to uh, help me a huge, huge deal. So his name is uh, Andrew Berry, and he trains out of a gym in Vermont called The Edge. Okay. Well, for a situation like that to work, you obviously have to already know your form and your technique for the exercises because what most people go to a trainer for is to teach them their proper technique. And you apparently already had that and he's working with you at an entirely different level. You know, not so much. I have been into fitness for quite some time and there was a lot of the basic movements that I knew, you know, I knew a lot of the basic form and, you know, how to do a proper bicep curl and stuff. But he's got me doing a lot of things that I've never done before. Thank goodness for YouTube and for websites like bodybuilding.com. Bodybuilding.com is a, a uh, site I reference frequently because it not only gives video description of the different movements, but it, it offers everything in text as well. 
So I can read through that, and if I don't really have a clear understanding, um, my training partner is very helpful in, in looking at it and, and showing me how to do a movement. But I can also send a video, like a short video to Andrew, say, hey, am I doing this right? And he'll correct me or, um, you know, just, just kind of use whatever tools I have at my disposal. But um, yeah, there's a lot of really good resources out there to research and see how to do things correctly. Okay. Just the point that I was making, though, is most people hire a trainer to teach them to do these things. And actually looking for those resources, that requires effort. And a lot of people just won't put that effort forth. Now, you had referred yourself as a type 1 diabetic. And uh, I'm sure a lot of people in our audience either are or know somebody who is diabetic. But for those that know virtually nothing about the disease, can you explain the differences of type 1, a type 2, and so on? Absolutely. Type 1 is an autoimmune disease. At least they believe it's autoimmune. So it wasn't genetic. Um, nobody else in my family is diabetic. And um, I am 100% insulin dependent. You know, I don't take any of the oral medications or anything that you see with uh, type 2 diabetes. Um, type 1 basically means that my pancreas, for some reason, completely stopped producing insulin. It just doesn't make it. Type 2 diabetes is more insulin resistant. And so they, there are medications and such that, that they can take to um, help increase their insulin sensitivity so that their body is better using the insulin that their pancreas is producing. It can often lead to type 1, but, but with, with strict diet control, exercise, and medication, they usually can get a better handle on it if they're disciplined enough to do it. And it's oftentimes caused either by genetics or by a very poor diet. Okay. That's a good, simple explanation of the two variations. Let's let's do a, a way back here since you say you developed diabetes when you were nine and you eventually lost your vision. What was Marana like growing up? Were you a normal kid, normal school, active, popular, not popular, one of the cool kids, an athlete? Just the basics. <laughs> No, which one? Uh, Stop was, me anywhere. I was diagnosed at nine. I had no clue what diabetes was. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden I'm being checked in the hospital for two weeks and learning how to give myself insulin injections and and such. And I was a normal kid. I have three brothers and, and my mom and dad and, and you know, very supportive family. Um, going to school, I was always a fat kid in school. I, I, when I graduated high school, I weighed over 200 pounds. And a lot of that was because I paid no attention to my diet. And, uh, you know, with you being in, um, into fitness and others probably know that insulin is a fat storing hormone. So the more you take, the, the more fat you store and yada, yada, yada. So my diet was very poor, wasn't an athlete. I may have played softball on a church league or, uh, you know, gone bowling every once in a while, but I did not spend any time in the gym whatsoever. I hated PE. And a lot of that was because I felt like crap. I, I, I was heavy. I was out of shape. And I didn't want to do anything that made me feel like crap. And and so um, I was more the choir girl. And, uh, you know, music was more my thing. And, you know, I was involved. I had a good amount of friends. I, I had nice friends, but, you know, was also teased for being overweight, as, as kids often are. 
And uh, it wasn't until I had graduated from high school and went started beauty school. Um, I'm actually a licensed cosmetologist. I've even after 10 years of blindness, I still have my my license. But um, I started to kind of, you know, seek the uh, the healthier way, as it were, not so much in regards to my diet, maybe a little bit in regards to my diet, but just walking a little bit and having a little bit of success, dropping some pounds that way, and then slowly kind of getting into it, wanting to push myself a little bit further. And early in my career, I had successfully lost a lot of weight, but it wasn't by any healthy way of doing so. My blood sugars were still out of control. Um, I paid no mind to those. But uh, in regards to becoming the little skinny mini, I was able to do that. So now, for the first time moving forward, I, I'm actually able to keep my blood sugars in control and make sure that I'm not just fit, but I'm healthy. Ah, see, now there is a very good thing. People don't understand the difference between being healthy and being fit. They think it's the same right. thing. Yeah, well, you know, we're being skinny, I should say. I was skinny, but I wasn't healthy. And there's a lot of skinny people out there that are not healthy. Their diets are very poor. You know, their their cholesterol could be through the roof. They could have any number of problems. So size really is no indicator of whether or not somebody is, is healthy. They can still have high blood pressure and a whole host of problems. So now is the first time that I've been able to keep my blood sugars in check, which you know, directly affects the rest of my overall health and also work towards and, and start achieving the different goals that I've set for myself. Well, I'd say you've achieved a lot just by being able to get those blood sugar levels in a manageable state since you say all your other attempts prior to hooking up with Andrew were not successful. Right, right. I, I think the number one thing that I have learned in my journey is that everybody's body really is different. And the key to success is finding out what works for you. Just because something works for 10,000 other people doesn't mean it's going to work for you. And it can be really discouraging when you come across, I mean, how many new diets are there on the market? You know, how many new pills are out there on the market? You come across something new that offers promises and, and guarantees and whatever, and you try it and it's a complete failure. The key for me has been in finding the proper diet that works for me, finding a training program that works for me, and, and working to the, the two together. And it's really a combination of diet and exercise and, and getting the right amount of sleep and an entire lifestyle rather than just, you know, trying the next best thing and um, failing at it. This, in a way, kind of goes back to the article that Lisa read before we started the interview talking about hormone and endocrine balance because, you know, with all these great new diets, 10 people could get on the same diet and somebody will have fantastic results, somebody will have horrible results, and everyone else will be in between. It's a matter of becoming a chemist almost for yourself and figuring out what foods react positively to your body. 
That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good way to, to put it. Our bodies are kind of like science experiments. You know, you kind of just have to see, is this going to work? Is it not? And it's a lot of trial and error. It's, it's a lot of paying close attention and being very disciplined. I mean, if you really want to know if something's going to work, you got to stick to it. And the key to sticking to it is finding something that's sustainable, you know, cabbage diets and, and all this kind of stuff that uh, promise overnight success. Those may provide temporary results, but, but it's nothing that's sustainable. So, you know, I, when I found Andrew, the push in uh, among a lot of diabetics is low carb, low carb, low carb, low carb. I mean, that's everywhere. I mean, it's the, a lot of people think it's the, the answer to everything. And while it does work to some degree for me, I was doing kind of the paleo plan. And uh, at first I, I was doing really well, but then slowly I started building a lot of insulin resistance and I, I was gaining weight. I, I had cut my carbs back to like between 20 and 30 carbs a day. I mean, I was super, super low carb. And the lower, I, the you know, when my blood sugar started to increase, I thought, oh, well, I need to cut my carbs more. I need to cut my carbs more. And there was a point where I'm like, wait a minute, this is not working. <laughs> you know, I keep cutting, I keep cutting my carbs and I'm getting the complete opposite results. And I'm talking about, you know, eating less than, than 30 carbs a day. And my blood sugars were wanting to run around three and 400 all the time. Time. And so I'm having to do these huge insulin boluses to, to try to bring my blood sugar down to a normal level. And it just was like it would not budge. And so when I hired Andrew and I told him what I was doing, he says, well, you have the right idea, but you need some coaching. And um, I, I had taken food journals to the diabetic educator and to my endocrinologist and gone over everything I was doing. And my diabetic educator literally put her hands up and said, I don't know, it looks like you're doing everything right. And on paper, I was doing everything right. But in practice, it was not working at all. First thing Andrew did in my um, training program was toss some, some complex carbs back in there. And my sugars started coming down. They started running better. I, I started building lean, lean body mass and my sugars started responding very, very well. So I threw the carbs back in there. And, and for me, I've learned that completely eliminating carbs from my diet is, is not good. There's a whole uh, study on, I think it's called glycosis that your body goes into where it starts turning everything into glucose and and stuff. So yeah, I mean, paleo is great for some, a lot of people push it, but you know, you've got to try it yourself to know if it's going to work for you. And if it's not, then you need to move on and find something else. See, just, just in listening to everything you said before you got to, and Andrew did X, my if you hadn't said that, my my knee-jerk response would have been, my first thing to suggest to you would have been to suggest try cycling your carbs, going a high day, a low day, a high day, a medium day, and varying it so your body doesn't have the chance. Now that uh, glucose thing you're talking about where you stay on the low carbs for so long, some people's bodies start turning everything into sugar. The way to get around that is you do, you, you know, you do several low-carb days then you have scheduled higher carb days to just kind of keep your body in a positive place and and constantly burning fat as your energy source. So definitely sounds like you're on the right track. But, you know, like I said, that was just my first knee jerk reaction to it would be, OK, I would have told you start cycling your carbs instead of lowering, lowering, lowering. Let's bring them up for a few days, then lower them again and see what happens. Yeah, I had read about carb cycling. I had read about carb cycling. I, I never... 
uh, really tried it. I, I didn't know that much about it. And, and so, um, but now looking back on it, it would have been something that I, that I should have tried. So, yeah. Well, you do more research than most people do. And I've got to give you a lot of credit for that because you're determined and you're going to find an answer, damn it. Yeah, well, absolutely. I am a big how and why person. When I read something, you know, that's a new diet or, or whatever, I want to know why is it supposed to work? How is it supposed to work? What's what's the science behind it? What what do they have backing it? You know, where is this coming from? And um, so I, I'm definitely a researcher. I, I get on and start reading and, and studying and stuff because you know, I, I like to know and I like to be able to explain to myself and, and to others, you know, why something works the way it does. Okay, that's excellent. And there, you know, everybody jumps to the new thing. You found something that actually works for you. You got to stay with it. I've Somebody I interviewed a while back uh, produced some training courses back in the early 60s. And he's still selling those same courses. And I asked him, have you updated them? He said, why? They work. Nobody's created anything new that really is any different. So if you find what works, forget about the new and shiny. Just stick with what actually does work for you. Yeah, it's like the old saying, if it's not broke, don't fix it. <laughs> you know, if, if it's working, then stick to it. And it's really hard because a couple of ways, because I've had people literally come up to me and say, I want to know everything you do. I want, I want to know everything you eat and everything you do. And I'm thinking, well, I can tell you, but that doesn't mean it's going to work for you. You know, just because I'm completely different than you. I, I'm, I'm, I'm female or, you know, I, I'm diabetic. I, I, you know, my lifestyle is completely different than you. It works for me because it works for me, but that's no guarantee that it's going to work for you. You know, so it's really finding out what works for you as an individual and sticking to it. And then sticking to it can be tricky when, you know, you are right. You have the whole glittery, shiny new diet or, or whatever, and, and it's tempting to to want to try it. But it, you really have to stay focused on, I'm reading um, Dan John's new book, and he talks about finishing the program, you know, f- just, just finish it. It's staying focused and not allowing yourself to get sidetracked or distracted by all the other uh things that are going on and you know just just staying focused on your goal and and such and it's tough sometimes because you know that there's as many opinions and theories and ideas and fitness as they're in as politics or something where it's easy to start listening to the other guy or somebody asks you and this happens to me all the time well what do you think about this or what do you do about this and I'll give an answer and like well you should really try you know and I just have to tune those people out and think you know what I'm sticking to what Andrew says what he's doing is working and I got to stick with his program I'm not going to go off and and try something else. I, I, I've tried it, you know, I've thought, oh, maybe I'll just try this or whatever. And, and it's completely thrown me off. And so I've learned my lesson with that. It's like, just stay on the right track. You've invested a lot of time and a lot of money with him and you're foolish to not, you know, you stay with it as long as it works. And if he can't find an adjustment that works after it doesn't work anymore, then you consider other things. But as long as what you're doing with him is successful for you, don't fix it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I want to talk about your cardio training because this is an interesting thing that you had mentioned. As everybody out there knows, I do not have any faith in steady state cardio for fat burning purposes. Now, I've never talked about 
doing, you know, 45 minutes on the treadmill, 30 minutes on the elliptical for heart health or for any other purposes, because I'm always talking about getting fitter, getting stronger, burning body fat. So from a purely fat burning standpoint, I don't believe in cardio. I believe in high intensity interval type training and short, very intense kind of things. But that long, steady state cardio, I've, I, you know, I'm going to not back down on what I've said in the past for burning fat. It's a huge waste of time. It eats up too much muscle. It's too hard on your joints. But having said that, you do steady state cardio and you have totally different reasons for doing it. Yeah, I do steady state cardio, not necessarily for the fat burning, but for the glucose burning. If I um, jump on the treadmill or, or something for you know, 35, 45 minutes, um, it's going to do a lot in regards to getting my blood sugar down into a normal level and uh, keeping it down in, in a lower range over the next 24 hours or, or so. So um, my cardio that I do is, is not really for fat burning. I do some high intensity interval training. I do a lot of weight training and that's for the lean gains and for muscle building and stuff, which also helps with insulin sensitivity. But the steady state is purely for burning glucose. Okay. And for the ladies out there that are afraid of getting too manly and too muscular, do you use the little two pound dumbbells? No, I do not. <laughs> I do not. No, that's that's one thing that uh, Andrew had me send him. Oh, it's probably been about four months ago. He's like, okay, I want to know what weights you're using for these different lifts. And I sent him, he's like, we're going to start targeting some strength. So no, um, for my dumbbells, I'm, I'm at 15 pounds, which isn't a huge amount, but that's a lot more than most girls will do. Um, 15 pounds. And then on some of the, uh, the bigger lifts, I'm, I'm, doing more. I've gotten my my deadlift up to 140 pounds and uh, my bench is is up to about 80. So I mean, I'm, I'm not breaking any records, but but I'm working my way up. So I'm happy about that. And you certainly don't look like a man, do you? No, no. I made the comment to my sister-in-law the other day, something about uh, not getting bulky. And she just said, you know, bulk isn't in your genetics. So um, one thing I, I, I did mention that to Andrew when we first started working, he says, I, he says, your, your key is going to be to start getting under some iron and moving it. And I said, you know, I think I'm one of those girls that can bulk up pretty easy and, and stuff. And he, he pretty much just said, you know, girls don't have a tendency unless you're doing some sort of human growth hormone or some sort of whatever to, to help increase muscle mass. He said, you're going to get to a point and then you're going to kind of stay there. But he said, everybody's got a genetic blueprint for what their body's going to do. And you might as well just run with it. I mean, if, if you're going to be somebody that that's able to put on mass and, and, and stuff and be strong, then, then you might as well just do it. I, you can't fight against genetics. <laughs> no, no, you definitely cannot do that. Um, all those guys out there that want a 400 pound bench and a 20 inch arm, if it's just not in the genetics, it doesn't matter whose arm or bench press routine you're going to follow. It ain't going to happen. And it's the same thing with women. I've For years, I fought the battle of, I don't want to use heavy weights and get too muscular. I'd hear that on a daily basis from women. But the women that use the heavy weights are the ones that lost the most body fat and ended up with the nicest, firm, toned, shapeliest bodies. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, the, the more lean mass you have, the higher your metabolism is. I mean, it's like a domino effect. It's, it's not... Plus, using heavier weights, you have to spend a lot less time lifting them. You know, you you don't have to stand there and do 50,000 reps. <laughs> so um, it's a net benefit, in my opinion, working and, and trying to build strength and, and stuff. And it definitely helps out um, with, uh, with the jujitsu and stuff like that, building some strength and, and stuff and just being strong overall. I'm not going for the arms like She-Ra, but... Uh, but um, it is nice to have tone and definition, and, and no, I've not gotten bulky at all. So did you see when he decided it was time to push the effort towards the heavier iron, did you see a like really dramatic improvement in your workouts, in the results from your workouts when you switched from the intentionally lightweights to testing yourself a little? I did. I did. For the first time, he was assigning weight amounts that he wanted me to use uh, before it was just like you know you're going to do these exercises and i kind of picked what i could do and i didn't really push myself and with him assigning the weights it it definitely pushes me and in three four months i um doubled the amount of weight that i was able to lift um prior to starting my deadlift was at about 70 pounds and like i said I, it's up to about 140 it's not that i go in there and do 140 all the time but um that's that's what i'm able to lift and then um you know like the bench i was able pretty much just to do 45 50 pounds and and that's gone up and and so not quite doubled, but um, yeah, I noticed huge strength increases and and a lot more tone and definition in my body and, and just feeling firmer and stronger and able to do more. You know, whenever your body's stronger and stuff, you uh, it, it just is a benefit to everything in, in life, you know, so yeah. And we're, since we're talking about the, the using heavier weights issue, now you're young. You're 36? 36, yes. 36. So, so things like osteoporosis are not a concern at this point. But for a lot of women, osteo is an issue and a concern. And there is research on top of research that says resistance training, progressive resistance training to increase bone density is the best way to preempt, well, in your case, you're preempting potential osteoporosis issues in your future. It doesn't say exercise, doesn't say go out and jog or do a Pilates class. It says progressive resistance training, strength training, weight training. So just yeah. had to throw that in there. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, with uh, diabetes, it, it does affect the entire body. And so bone health is absolutely something that it can affect. And and so I kind of got a double whammy with both being diabetic and, and um, being a woman. So um, the, the resistance training is, is definitely good. And I try to stay on top of my vitamin D and, and calcium and such to try to maintain as much of that bone density as I can. Well, since you mentioned the vitamin D and the calcium, let's talk about your nutrition a little bit. What's your diet like? My diet is very basal. I have learned that keeping it simple is the best way for me to go. And that's largely due, my prime objective in everything is my blood glucose. Because if my blood glucose isn't in check, 
then I might as well not do anything because I'm, I'm still wreaking havoc on my body. Um, so that's my, my main goal in, in everything is making sure that my sugars stay under control. So my diet is, is very basic. It consists of lean proteins, fish and chicken and, and turkey and, um, healthy fats, lots of vegetables and, uh, you know, got some Greek yogurt, some, some fruit in there, not a whole lot, but, um, it's all very balanced. I eat five times a day and, um, each meal is, you know, around two to, to 300 calories depending. And it's important that I consume all the calories that I need, but, um, it's what works for me. Um, I've come to view food more as energy and and fuel rather than something that's just a leisurely activity. You know, I'm not one of those that parks it in front of the television with the back potato chips and before I know it, the potato chip is gone, potato chips are gone. It's not a social thing for me, which if people can can live and do that and, and still do their thing and be healthy, then, then that's great. I, I mean, more power to them, but I just can't do that. A lot of people say that um, diet is 80% of the game and, and exercise is 20%. For, but for me, my success is really 100% nutrition. So it, it really, my diet really affects my success. Okay. Now you and I have talked at length about some of your plans and some projects that you have in your head that you want to do. And um, it seems like you want to kind of motivate the world to get off their butt and do something, at least the blind community. You know, largely in the blind community, I would like to, um, you know, work with people who are, are diabetic and work with I, anybody. I, I, if somebody's interested in, in fitness and and stuff and they need a roadmap or they need encouragement or they need motivation, then I'm, I'm happy to do, I'm happy to do it. I, I think that, um, it's made such a huge difference in my life and, um, with the way things are today with so many kids and, and people being consumed by hours of television and video games and stuff. I, there's just so much more that, that we could be doing to make our lives fuller and, and more enjoyable by being healthier. And uh, if I can do that, then yeah, I want to light the world on fire. That's what I want to do. <laughs> um, I am in the process of working towards my personal training and my nutrition specialist certifications. I would like to do a lot of work with uh, the blindness community in regards to training programs and consultations and such, trying to, to motivate them. I think as a, uh, a, it would have a net benefit effect in that, um, you know, a lot of people leave, live li really sedentary lifestyles and um, they would really benefit from getting a little bit of activity in there and it would have a domino effect again in regards to, um, you know, if they're healthier, if they feel better, they're more likely to get out, they're, they're going to be in better shape, they're, you know, maybe more prone to going out and seeking out gainful employment and their chances of getting hired will be better because if the employer sees that they care about themselves, they care about, you know, taking care of themselves and they're probably going to be, you know, responsible for, for other things. Yeah. It just, it could, just could have a, a positive effect, I think all around, not just in regards to their own, uh, health and well-being, but in regards to their motivation to get up and do more and make a bigger impact and, and such. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to be able to be used in that way and, uh, teach and educate and, and encourage people as much as I can. Okay. And uh, when do you think you're going to be certified? 
I should be starting the classes at the sometime in August, and it takes about 10 weeks. I have up to six months to finish them. So my goal is to be done with them by the end of the year, by, by December. If I, The sooner I can get started, the better. And I'm pretty good at being uh, studious and stuff when I have something I'm working towards. So that's my hope. And um, I'm, I'm working toward three certifications. The first two I'll get are my personal training and my nutrition specialist. And then I'm going to be um, getting one in elderly fitness as well. And it's not that I just necessarily want to work uh, with elderly people. I, I think it'll be great. But um, it really deals more with working with people who have more sedentary lifestyles, other health issues like blood pressure, heart issues and stuff. A lot of the things that we do see in the blindness community and in the population at large. I, there's just a lot of, of health issues out there these days. So um, I think that will be, uh, you know, the, the knowledge can be applied anywhere to any group. So um, I'm going to do that and just see where we go from there. Okay. Well, it sounds like what you're saying is the focus of that uh, that senior fitness certification really does apply. Maybe when it was written a few years ago, the focus was seniors, but it really does apply for sure to the blind community as a whole and probably a substantial part of the general population today scary and sad you know it really is it really is uh technology is a uh, a blessing and a curse and you know it's great to have but it does consume a lot of time which results in a lot of sitting around and not doing a whole lot and that's just terrible for our bodies you know we're made to move and and stuff so um hoping to be able to encourage a little bit more of that and and just really getting people to think about what they're eating. You know, there's there's everybody I've I've heard talk about it says that when they keep a food journal, they find themselves losing weight simply because they have to write down everything that they eat. And when you're actively thinking about it and, and you're writing it down and you're having to look back over it, you know, you don't just have a tendency to go in and pop 10 Hershey's kisses just because they're there. <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to have to write this down later. So just getting people to think about what they're putting in their mouths and 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 how that adds up. So um, I think uh, that would be a good start. Okay. Let's see. We've talked about your younger life growing up. We've talked about your training, the diabetes. And I'm going to jump way back to a point here. And I don't want to hear anything from anybody out there when she said she was the fat girl. I don't want to hear anybody screaming about political correctness. If she was fat, she can say fat. In one of my earlier interviews, I said something about a bunch of fat kids in the mall, and I can say that because I used to be one of them. So I don't want to hear anything from anyone about that. One thing you said earlier, and I want to jump back to it, because I'm really curious how you're able to do it. You said you've still maintained your cosmetology license. Now, I was a massage therapist for well over 30 years and part of the renewal process is continuing education courses being required do you have to do that to maintain your uh, cosmetology license as well i do not um you know uh the the cosmetology license all they really care about is your money so you send them 50 bucks every couple of years and they renew it and the main reason why I do that is because it, uh, well, I earned it, so I, could, I should be able to keep it. But also, I get really good discounts at the beauty supply and, and stuff like that, so I can still go and buy the, the things that I like. And I save 
50 bucks in just one trip. So it's, it's worth it to maintain it. So, and who knows, maybe in these days, you know, I could probably still go back and and do it. I I mean, (laughs) do you really need sight? (laughs) That boys and girls from the lady with pink hair. (laughs) Pink and purple. We added a little bit of purple the other day. So (laughs) you opened yourself up for that. (laughs) I did. It's all good. So basically all it is is you're paying for a Sam's or a BJ's card for the, for the beauty store every couple of years by renewing your license. Pretty much, pretty much. You're paying yeah. for your discount card. That's that's great. Okay, I yeah. think we've pretty much covered everything that I had on uh, on my list. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about before we wrap this up? I I don't think so. I I think that uh that we've pretty much covered most of it. I mean, the diabetes definitely has has had an impact and, you know, it, it was the contributor or the, the cause of my blindness and such. But, um, uh, I don't know. I just, I guess I would, I would like to remind people that, um, I hear a lot of, I, I do, as you said, some, some mentioned some podcasting and, and some stuff like that. Um, you know, just trying to help and encourage people. And I've had people that have come to me asking me questions and you know they they reach out to you and they say hey i need help with this and you sit and you have a you know two hour conversation with them going over every single thing you can possibly rack your brain for and there there's always an excuse well i can't do that because da 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 i can't do that because da 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 i can't do that because da 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 you know you've heard it you you know there's a ton of excuses that people have for anything and um you know, my biggest thing that uh, I, I've I've learned is that the only limitations you really have are those you put on yourself within reason. Um, you know, we are on, aren't all cut out to be brain surgeons or rocket scientists or whatever. But but if there's something that you want to do and and you set your mind on it and stuff, and, and no matter what anybody else says, go for it, try it. I mean, there's you're not gonna. You're not going to lose anything by trying. And, um, you know, you're you're the only one that limits what you can do. So don't ever be afraid to try. That was a perfect way of wrapping this up. One last thing I'm going to ask you. Since you've got all this stuff going on, the uh, certifications and the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu tournament that you're going to fight in, you're going to come back and talk with us some more and let us know the results? Absolutely. Absolutely. I will, uh, I will be back and let you know how it goes. And I'm excited. I'm excited. Just, uh, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to come and chat with you a little bit, share my thoughts and my ideas and my plans and stuff. And, um, yeah, looking forward to getting in there and, and meeting my goals and help other people determine theirs and work towards those as well. Thank you very much. What just anyone wants to chat with you? What's your Twitter handle? Uh, my Twitter is Marana Loop, M-A-R-A-N-A-L-O-O-P. Um, I'm on there and um, I'm also on Facebook. You can just find me at uh, Marana Weber. So um, yeah, hit me up and let's chat. Cool. We've been talking with Marana, not Marana, Marana Weber in California, future BJJ superstar and personal trainer and a very cool lady. You've been listening to Real World Fitness. I hope everybody has a fantastic week, and I will see you next week. Real World Fitness is a production of the Serotalk Podcast Network in cooperation with CosiabaFitness.com. All questions, comments, and feedback should be submitted to resources at Serotalk.com. 
If you're listening on a mobile device, use your iBlink radio app to submit an iReport. Promotional consideration paid for by audible.com. <laughs>